0: Hello, I'm your host, Giselle Gamby, and this is the Intuitive Pool Podcast, where together we'll embrace the plans we did not make yet, unfold businesses and lives that are so much greater in wealth in all ways than any business or life plan could ever achieve. My wish is that you make Intuition your most trusted advisor, so buckle up. Get present and let's go. Welcome to this episode entitled Momentum Serves the Committed. This is the second time I'm recording this particular episode. I recorded this this morning and then I went to edit it and the sound was distorted. Oh my goodness. And the episode was around 38 minutes long. Oh, I could have died. <laughs> and I'm laughing this afternoon because this is an example. <laughs> with the, with a title called Momentum Serves the Committed, you know, I could easily just give this one up on a Friday afternoon and not re-record it, but I'm committed to recording it. I'm re-committed to recording it because this episode has been cooking for quite some time now. There's been a lot of separate pieces that have been floating about, and it was only this morning that they came together. I was excited to record this episode called Momentum Serves the Committed. So here we are again, demonstrating my commitment to you. And when I recorded it this morning, I noticed that there was a quite a serious tone to this episode which is a little different to previous episodes and I'm going to run with it because there was a little bit of seriousness this week in a message that I delivered to two clients and it was the same message and the message was stop blaming your partner for your dissatisfaction. Quite a punchy reflection, right? And today I received an email from one of them saying, you know, really appreciate what you said because it has put the power back in my hands. I've put the power back in my hands and I've stopped blaming my partner and, you know, I've I've freed him. And so that seriousness this morning when I was preparing for this episode and then I recorded it was here. And so I'm trusting it. And I'm trusting that for the people who are meant to listen to this episode, that they're requiring that serious tone, that serious reflective tone. So when I talk about momentum serving the committed, what I mean by that is momentum around following the intuitive pools and realizing them into their full, fully blossomed, Expression. So momentum serving that, momentum serving the intuitive pool in its fully blossomed expression. So momentum serves the committed. The way that premise arrived, well, it kind of fell out of my mouth. And that was a few weeks ago when I was facilitating a group call with clients and beautiful and very powerful coach. Elizabeth Adams. If you're looking for depth, and you're looking for just profound transformation around your entrepreneurial spirit, and around depth of connection in relationship with self and others and family members, please look her up. I will. I will add her name to the show notes. Uh, if I was ever to be coached uh, in the in that regard, I would choose Lizzie for me she's remarkable and she was talking to us about her father who is no longer with us and she was telling us a story that when she was growing up her father moved all of her family to Ireland and he needed to put food on the table so he went and became a window cleaner and the way he set that up was he decided that he only wanted to work with customers that would commit every fortnight to having their windows cleaned and he really stuck with that agreement within himself and with his customers and you know if a customer did not follow through on that commitment he would no longer have them as a customer and the benefit of that of that was that obviously he put food on the table but he also developed this um, really engaged community of people who valued his work and so when it came time to do what he really wanted to do he had his beautiful base of of, of clients already his beautiful base of community that then became customers in the business that he really wanted to do and when lizzie was talking about that the the words like i wasn't thinking about it at all the words literally fell out of my mouth and the words were momentum serves the committed and it was really interesting because that night the words wouldn't leave me and the following morning i woke up and i i noticed during the night as I was sleeping, I was watching myself hear those words in my sleep over and over and over again. And then, you know, when you kind of wake up, but you're kind of sleepy in that kind of dozy state, and then you go back to sleep. Well, in those periods in between, I was having those words, momentum serves the commitment, just rotate and rotate and rotate across my, my consciousness. And so that morning, of course, I gave it presence. And I became aware, not just in the morning, but even um, at the end of the session that I was noticing that, you know, I really appreciate the momentum that I have in my business and that I've had for a few years now. And I wanted to further appreciate what were the components of that? How, How did that momentum, how did that momentum or how is that momentum here? And as I was appreciating it, I realized there's one area that it, hasn't been in all of my life and that is very vulnerably speaking here around my weight and i think probably from you know i don't know eight nine ten years old i think i've thought about my weight until now 52 and you know i've 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 tried every single diet in the world i've yo-yoed and yes i have absolutely had shifts around moving from judgment to self-love and yet I still haven't, I still don't have a sense of peace there. And I realized it's because I have not committed to it, as I have around other areas of my life. And I woke, you know, that morning, I, I put pen to paper and I wrote out of my reflections and shared it with the coaching group. And this is this is what I wrote. So I'm going to read it to you. I said, all night in my sleep, I kept hearing the words over and over again, momentum seeks the committed. And, you know, I, I said, I, I, I haven't had that commitment um, in, in my physical health, in, in my weight in particular. And I said, you know, I'm pretty good with food and exercise, to be honest, really, I am pretty good, pretty good. It's the, and then I told myself the story. It's the wine I drink at night. You know, I have a few glasses of wine at night after my kids have gone to sleep. And then I realized that's bullshit. That's a symptom. It's also a story I've been committed to. The real cause is that I haven't committed to my physical health. I haven't committed to it like I have with my spiritual health. I haven't committed to it like I have with the health of my family. I haven't committed to it like I have with the health of my leadership here in the coaching group and here even in the podcast. I haven't committed to it like I have with the health of being of service to the wider community, to humanity. I haven't committed to it like I have with the health of my financial wealth. I haven't committed to it like I have with creating a beautiful new kitchen that we now have. I haven't committed to it like I have with reversing my Hashimoto's disease, which is part of physical health. I asked why, you know, why do I have momentum in all of these other areas and not in relation to my weight? And I said, because in all the other areas that are healthy, I commit to my energy first. I give myself two hours before I speak with people on coaching sessions to become present, to open, to listen, to receive, to intend, to feel how I'd love to feel and how I'd love the people I'm speaking with to feel. I give myself two hours every morning before I get on the phone. I don't get on the phone before 11 o'clock. The kids go to school at 9 and then I get on the phone at 11. Those two hours I spend becoming present. I spend... On my energy first. And not only do I give myself two hours Tuesday to Thursday, I give myself all of Monday. Like it's very rare that I'll have a session or I'll have a conversation with a potential client on a Monday. Very rare. And I also run, you know, three to four times a week where, you know, that's a really spacious experience for me. And I can't tell you how many hours I've given. Myself with different teachers, coaches, workshops, books, et cetera. You know, I'm now in my fourth year with my wonderful coach, Daniel Batten. And it's not because I need to. I have no need. It's because it gives me joy. It's because it supports me to choose what I'm committed to. It's, it supports my energy first. And so when I counted all of that up, that's a minimum, a minimum of 16 hours per week committing to my energy. A minimum, I mean, that's just probably not even accurate. Let's add a couple more because I didn't even include, you know, group calls I get on with my coach every week. So let's say 18 hours minimum a week I spend committing to my energy, to my presence, to my intuition, to my focus, to my decisions and choices that I'm making around all those areas where there is momentum and it's not hard work for me it's not a chore it's, enorm- it's an enormous joy for, an enormous joy for me and if i didn't commit to my energy first then everything would actually feel like a chore it would be transactional mechanical and so that was a really cool reflection that morning and so i've been playing with these all these different themes over the last couple of weeks surrendering letting go this premise around momentum serving the committed faith and then I realized this morning that all of that really comes under the heading which this episode is dedicated to that in terms of the intuitive pull in terms of following those intuitive pulls so that the full realization on earth is here and not just in in intention, in the formless world, in in, in in dreamland, but actually here, well, that momentum comes through commitment. And so I wanted to reflect on with you what I've, what I have observed that disrupts commitment with the intention that you'll sit here in self-reflection If there are are areas in your life that you have yo yoed around, that you haven't had that momentum or that sustainability, that you might see yourself through these, particularly through four reflections that I'll take you through. So, what disrupts commitment? So, the first piece is that, as demonstrated through my vulnerable sharing around my weight. Is that the fact that you didn't actually really commit to it in the first place? So what disrupts commitment? You actually didn't really commit to it in the first place. It's something that you do rather than it being a way of being in your life. And I can for sure say that uh, my focus on my weight has been something that I have done, and it has certainly not been maybe it's starting to change now, but it's certainly not been who I have have been, who I've, who I've lived as. You know it's like I always say uh, living a, uh, an aware life, you know, uh, commitment to personal growth is not like deciding to learn how to crochet. <laughs> And crocheting for a month and then giving it up. It's, it's a way of being. It's, it's a way of living. And when we don't commit to something as a way of being, and it's more so something that we just do from time to time, well, there is no momentum. So that's point one. So what else disrupts commitment? When we have received the impu- intuitive pull, right? It comes from our spiritual nature, does not come from our rational mind, does not come from our human personality. It comes from this vast consciousness, right? This intuition is come from this vast and limitless consciousness. And so when we are connected to our intuition, we are absolutely orientating from our spiritual nature, from our formless nature. They can't be seen with the eyes. But here's the thing. If we are only locating ourselves in our spiritual nature and not also orientating from our human self, which has agency and will and desire and choice and Decision and we are deciding that our intuition or our intuitive pool is to be taken care of by our spiritual nature only if we believe that it's our spiritual nature's responsibility to bring that intuitive pool into the world in form. We've just given our power away to our spiritual nature (laughs) and we have abdicated personal responsibility we've abdicated taking personal responsibility in our humanness and the truth is that we are not only not only have a spiritual nature that is limitless and eternal and that will stay with us when our bodies have gone and passed But we also have the blessing of being in this human body and in this personality, and we've come to experience that. That's why we're here in this human form. Otherwise, we wouldn't have this human vessel, right? And so momentum serves those who are committed to not only operating and orientating from their spiritual nature, but also those who are committed to taking care of their human form, taking care of their human self, their their person. And in that, you know, there's there's some work to do because every human being has a common denominator, has many common denominators, but has this common denominator. And the common denominator is that every human being at some on some level believes that they're not enough. You know, every human being on some level believes that they're not really worthy of having that thing that their intuition has shown them or that they're powerless to bringing that about or that, you know, they really don't matter or that it doesn't matter or that uh, there's more important things to take care of, more that there there are people that they are responsible to. And that those people, you know, family, for example, take priority over following those intuitive pools. So all of those belief systems are fear-based. And if we have those belief systems running the show in the background and we haven't become aware of them and chosen to put them in the backseat, well, that intuitive pool will not be realized, plain and simple. And in addition to that, to experience momentum around our intuitive pools, being here on this earth, in form, we have to participate. We have to have agency. We have to be resolved around our will to bring that to life. And we also, in our human form, get to feel the desire, the joy of bringing that thing to life. And so without that stake in the ground and without that emotional engagement with that thing that we've seen through our intuition, it will only remain in its formlessness and I've seen, I've seen this time and time again in you know, certain spiritual communities that I've been a part of in the past where they'd be flooded with intuition and it'd be a crazy, amazing experience. And people would leave jobs, you know, highly paid jobs. And it was absolutely their calling to do that. And then they'd forget that they need to participate here and they'd go into powerlessness. And nothing would move. Nothing would be realized. And then that would set up another whole um, washing machine of dissatisfaction. So we have to participate. It's like a marriage, right? Our intuition will only be realized if we participate and do the inner work and have the resolve in order for that momentum to be experienced. So number three, what else disrupts commitment? Well, doubt and regret, those feelings within and the thoughts that happen as a result of that can very easily hijack the unfolding process. So, us human beings, we like evidence, don't we? We like evidence to show us that what we've seen and what we're choosing is is accurate and and not delusional. Like show me the money, right? So that I can feel safe that I've made the right decision. The thing is with the intuitive pool is that there's a, a process that unfolds naturally that rests in an intelligence that is far greater than my personality and your personality could ever plan for and so there's this there's this unfolding process that is is designed for our good that is taking place and when we can't see the seeds that we've sowed harvesting, it's easy in our humanness to go into doubt and then regret, regret making that decision. And when regret happens, it interrupts the ability to remember that there's a bigger picture that's unfolding here. And we can't always see, most often, we can't always see that bigger picture that's unfolding until it's actually here. And so when we're in regret, or when we're, when we're when we're in doubt and we agree with that, we then hijack the process and do things to avoid the possibility of regret. So listen to that one again. We then hijack the process to avoid the possibility of regret in the long term. And when we've done that, we've just totally hijacked the intuitive pull. We've totally turned our back on it and we've said no. Have you ever done that? It's a really interesting tone again, like even as I'm sharing with you, I feel a seriousness, which is different to how I have recorded previous episodes and so you know the Giselle part of me is saying oh you know what about this seriousness you know do we do we really need to do this yet I have to trust it because as I always say there's an energetic exchange that exchange that is happening here and I know that I'm creating these episodes because I've tuned in, (laughs) I've tuned into the field and I'm tuned into you. And so for some, not all, the seriousness will be exactly what's required, just like two times that I said this week to two different clients, stop blaming your partners for your dissatisfaction. It's like a little slap, right? Done with love. And sometimes it's required to wake up, to wake up and see what we've been doing that has been the opposite of what we've really wanted. So the fourth, the fourth's a funny one. The fourth reflection on what disrupts commitment. <laughs> I heard this this week. I heard someone say to me, "I've been trying to let go. I've been trying to let go. Do you see the, do you see the folly there? I've been trying to let go. That's an oxymoron. Because trying comes from efforting it's a it's a mental process it's a mechanical process it's it comes from an an active analysis. I have to try to do this thing, but letting go and surrendering uh, uh, in, in diametrically opposite to that. It's like imagine trying to jump off a cliff. <laughs> You can't try to jump off a cliff. You either jump off the cliff or you don't. (laughs) You can't try to. And when we try to, we're in resistance. We've got the brakes on. Right? So what disrupts commitment is when we resist the surrender, when we resist the act of surrender, when we resist the act of free falling and letting go. And we have to free fall, and we have to let go in order to follow the intuitive pull. It's the only way. so i'd love I'd love to hear how you're going here, you know as you're reflecting on your life, and also in contrast, to an, an, an opportunity here for you to actually appreciate where you have been committed, where you have let go, where you have surrendered where you've noticed the doubt and, and regret and you've said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing. I know that there's an unfolding process here and I'm trusting it. I have faith in it and an appreciation where you have operated from your spiritual self and your human self and you have taken responsibility and you've had agency and you've had will and you've cleaned up where you've needed to clean up the unworthiness or the powerlessness or distrust or what if fear based beliefs were there? I want you to also appreciate the moments that you have, have, have orientated from all of that. And also to appreciate the moments where you absolutely have been committed to that thing, that intuitive pull. Yeah. So, both in reflections of where you haven't committed entirely, where commitment's been disrupted, and also where you can appreciate that, geez, I have absolutely experienced momentum through my commitment or if the momentum is not here to remind you to have the faith, the faith that there's an unfolding process and that the harvest, the harvest can only, um, it's inevitable because the seeds have been sown and you've done the work, you've done the inner work. So I want to talk about what galvanizes commitment and I'm going to honor Lizzie again. Because that word is her word, galvanizing. I hear that word often through Lizzie's uh, communication. And it's just, just, I really love it. I love that word. So credit to you, Lizzie. Thank you for helping me create this podcast. What galvanizes commitment? Well, the first one is getting radically honest with where you're at and, you know, allowing yourself to get uncomfortable and to feel all the feelings. So if there is something that you notice that you have, um, your commitment has been disrupted, allow yourself to get radically honest with where you're at, just like I did with my weight and to get uncomfortable and to allow all those feelings that want to be felt to move through you. I mean, as human beings, we don't like to feel uncomfortable. And so we'll try and distract those uncomfortable feelings away. But you know what? I would not be here talking to you. I would not be coaching had I not allowed myself to get radically honest and to feel all the feelings that I felt back in you know, between 1999 and 2002 when my awakening process began. If I had ignored or uh, tried to make those uncomfortable feelings go away and not trusted that they had an intelligence within them designed for my unfolding good, I would never have coached. I would never be here sitting here with you, speaking to you about <laughs> the intuitive pull. What else galvanizes commitment? Choosing what you are committed to as a way of being, rather than something that you just do, like picking up crochet for a month. You know, I've seen I've seen people who, who you know, absolutely love what they do. You know, for example, I'm going to talk about um, coaching. I've seen coaches absolutely love what they do. And yet, their commitment to expressing their leadership to people beyond the people that they coach being something that only comes when they're in enrollment mode for client creation. And so, what happens when that self expression happens? Only when there's need, well, it's really obvious, isn't it? There isn't momentum. There's the yo-yo. There's the start-stop. There's the unsustainable bit, unsustainability, just like my weight. And so I don't know how that looks like in your world, but I I would invite you to think about what is it in your world, in your leadership, that you only do when there is need rather than it being a way of being. Like I've said this a hundred times now, I would continue expressing myself here with you. I would continue coaching because it's such a joy for me, even if I won the lotto. So I don't do this from a place of need. I have no agenda here i do this because i love it because it feels good despite oh recording that this morning's episode and then losing it so what is it that wants to be upgraded in you that is a way of being rather than something that you do every now and then out of need and agenda if you elevate it to the joy of that expression or the joy of whatever it is, you will galvanize commitment and that will create momentum and sustainability. What else galvanizes commitment? Making sure that what you are committing to is born from love versus being born from judgment or agenda. So I just gave the example of doing things out of agenda and need. So I won't repeat that again, but let me give you an example of doing things out of judgment. So again, when I go back to my weight, I know when I have done things from judgment of self and when I have taken on a diet or chosen not to drink for a month, for example, I know when it has come from judgment, from self-judgment. And I also know when an act of um, intuition has come from self-love. So, for example, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, I think, I don't know now, maybe six, seven years ago, and I went to an integrative doctor and we managed it. And we met, so the symptoms uh, uh, were un- under control. And then, I was watching a Netflix Netflix show called Heal, and on that uh, show, they talked about Ari- Ayurvedic medicine reversing Hashimoto's, which I didn't even know was a possibility. So, I went and researched who. Would be able to support me which doctor would be able to support me and i found a wonderful doctor called dr amy kajar in surrey hills i'll put her details in the show notes as well and you know that was that that calling that intuitive pull that i had to go and reverse hashimoto's was not at all born from judgment but born from love of self and i had my numbers my hormones tested not long ago and pretty much most of my numbers have reversed other than one so what galvanizes commitment when you make sure that what you're committing to is born from love rather than born from judgment or agenda what else galvanizes commitment committing to energy first i talked about my at least 18 hours a week committed to my energy energy first always and why Because it's joyful, my goodness, it's joyful. And in this world where, you know, of achiever and we've got to to get so much done and busyness, most people wouldn't even think about committing to energy first. Like it wouldn't even be even in in an idea that's real. You know, like when um, there's a story that, and I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a story that uh, the Native American Indians were on the shore, standing on the shore of, their, of an island, and then ships had gone past them. But because they had no reference for what a ship was, they didn't, couldn't actually see it. They couldn't actually see the ships going past. I don't know if that's just like a little uh, story uh, or not, or if it's true. But the reason why it's just come here to speak about is because committing to energy first is is like not for some people unrecognizable. They don't even know about it, so they have no reference for it. So I'm speaking about it here. Perhaps this is the first time that you have reference for it, or perhaps you already have reference for it, and it's like commit to energy first, commit to energy first. Another way of galvanizing commitment is by remembering that you are the predominant creative force of your life and of life you so let's go back to those two clients that that I said to them you know stop blaming your partner for your dissatisfaction they'd forgotten that they were the creative source of their life right nobody can take responsibility for you only you can take responsibility for your happiness only you so here what galvanizes commitment is the remembrance of that and the embodiment you know the human the human uh uh, human nature that we get to enjoy we get to enjoy this in our human body we get to enjoy what what will feels like will we get to enjoy what deservedness feels like we get to enjoy what powerfulness feels like we get to enjoy what it feels like to put a stake in the ground. We get to enjoy what it feels like to claim our choices, regardless of what other people think. We get to enjoy our authenticity. We get to enjoy our leadership. We get to enjoy our ability to claim our space, right? So when we abdicate that away and just stay in our spiritual nature, my goodness, do we miss out a whole lot? We miss out on a whole lot. It's so joyful to experience that in our human nature. Commitment and uh, beg your pardon, momentum will never ever be when we do not engage that human agency, when we do not experience and enjoy our human desires. Even my dog was getting excited and he was activating his his animalistic agency. (laughs) Oh, the joys of working from home. So that is what also galvanizes commitment. And I really hope that me speaking to that is activating that within you and having you see where you've been passive right, where you haven't taken that stake, where you haven't claimed for whatever reason. There's a really um, not interesting, (laughs) a precious piece that I want to speak to. I was listening to a podcast by Kathy Heller, who I've learned actually how to do the technical bits of a podcast through, thank goodness, and so grateful for that. She has a podcast called um, Don't Keep Your Day Job, and one of her episodes was with an Aussie woman actually called Bronnie Ware. You might know her. She wrote the top five regrets of the dying, the top five regrets of the dying. And she worked for the with the dying for eight years in palliative care. And she said that, you know, the first regret of the dying, and I found this really interesting that this was the, she said there were five common things that she would hear over and over again. And she started with the first, and I thought, oh, this is just perfect. She said that the first major regret that the dying said was that they wished that they had lived a life of their own accord. They wished that they had not lived a life according to other people's expectations of themselves, of them, or at least of their perception of other people's expectations of them. They wished that they were self-resourced. They wished that they had been not that these are the words that they would use, that they wish that they had been the creative source of their life, that they had put that stake in the ground, that they had claimed their place, that they had claimed their joys, that they had claimed their choices, that they had used will and and agency. Isn't that interesting that that is the, the first major regret that Bronnie Ware could see and appreciate over her eight years of working with the dying. And so really this last point is probably the most important point in this whole episode. If you want momentum, if you want sustainability around the full realisation, the infinite realisation of the intuitive pools that are calling you, have called you, This is where it's at, this piece here. This is what will galvanize your commitment. Without that agency, without that will, without that choice, there is no one's going anywhere. (laughs) So I also heard a beautiful saying this week by Marianne Williamson, faith isn't blind. People talk about blind faith. Faith isn't blind. It's visionary. Faith is visionary. So why would you want to disrupt your commitment to the intuitive pull when ultimately faith is visionary, more visionary than our little rational minds, which are really important, could ever offer us or enable. So I'd love to hear what happened for you in this quasi-serious, intimate conversation with you. I'd love to hear what you reflected upon, what you became radically honest about, what you appreciated, what faith has grown and what agency is within you or growing, growing within you or even what you've been uncomfortably stirred by, just as I was a couple of weeks ago when I realized I never actually ever have really committed to a weight that I'm deserving of and deserves me. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate your presence. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I trust that you were intuitively pulled. If you like this episode, please follow this podcast and share the love with your family, friends and colleagues. Let them know that I'm here. And if you'd like to have more communication with me, join the Intuitive Pool Facebook group where you'll find details in the show notes and you can let me know about what pools you've been receiving by listening to these episodes. Until next time, so much love.